Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. I'm your host, Tony D'Urso. I interview elite entrepreneurs and I thank you for joining us. This show is dedicated to helping you turn your vision into reality. Today, we're going to discuss becoming iconic with Jamie Mustard. Just before we bring him on, the Tony D'Urso Show has now gone video. Catch all my new shows going forth on TonyD'Urso.com rumble for the video or TonyD'Urso.com podcast for the audio. You can continue listening to the audio podcast just about everywhere as you normally do. And if you want to listen while jogging, walking the dog, working around the house, and so forth, the best place to go for just audio is simply TonyDierso.com slash podcast. Now, all the newer shows are going to video, so head on over to TonyDierso.com slash rumble and check out what's there. The only change is now you get to see our guests and myself in action on Rumble. And as you know, I do this for you because I know it's a challenge to read everybody's book, take everybody's classes, listen to everybody's podcast to get the help you need for your career or to grow your business. I interview some of the most successful people in the world whom I call elite entrepreneurs. They share their journey and provide wisdom, guidance, and advice you can use to take things up another level. That's why you should join me on Rumble and subscribe to my Rumble channel. And if you know someone whom you believe would be helped by this, please share. Thank you kindly. Today, we're going to talk about becoming iconic with Jamie Mustard. Let's see what we can learn today. At the end of this interview, I'll give you a summary of what we went over. So stay tuned for that. Jamie Mustard is a strategic multimedia consultant and iconist. A graduate of the London School of Economics, Jamie's work is an explanation of the economics of attention based on the primal laws of human perception. This is so exciting. Here we go. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. It's been a while since we've tried to bring you on. I am so glad to finally have you on. I can't wait for all the entrepreneurs, small business owners, and so forth in our audience, even you out there with a career. Wait till you find out about what we have in terms of the iconist. Is there another way to pronounce that, the iconist? Or well, you could say the iconist. You could say the iconist. If I, my, my British friends <laughs> sometimes call me the iconist, I really appreciate you uh, having me on. And I'm looking forward to uh, the conversation. This is the stuff, everybody. This is the most key piece of information. I've talked about needing this information on various shows. I can't wait to dive in and find out all about it. And before we do, let's kind of get into your backstory and tell us, Jamie, how did it all start for you? Oh, God, it's such a great question. Before, I'll say one thing before I go into my backstory. When, when Bill Taylor, who's one of the founders of Fast Company Magazine, gave me a book review or a blurb, you know, he, he was, read the book and commented on it. He, he said, uh, scarcity of attention is the defining business challenge of our time. And that's what my book uh, deals with. And I, and I think it's very... I guess it's apropos or it's interesting in terms of how it relates to my backstory because I grew up um, in the east part of Hollywood between uh, yeah, East Hollywood and downtown Los Angeles in 
mostly poor immigrant neighborhoods, Mexican neighborhoods, um, Armenian neighborhoods. I grew up extremely poor, mostly abandoned by my parents, um, in and out of institutional environments, uh, in a kind of poverty that's hard to describe. So it's, it's, I call it ironic. Uh, our, one of our mutual friends, uh, Dove Barron, says that it's not ironic. But I find it incredibly ironic that today I, I couldn't have been more invisible as a, as a child of mixed race. I couldn't have been more invisible on the kind of drought-ridden streets of late 70s, early 80s Los Angeles. So it's kind of incredible that today uh, my career is to teach uh, people how to stand out in a world overloaded with content because I experienced this extreme invisibility and, and, and managed to Houdini myself out of it. Um, over the years, I eventually overcame illiteracy, poverty, and neglect, and I graduated from uh, the London School of Economics. I was uh, semi-literate into my late teens. I mean, this is the kind of neglect that I endured. I went from uh, remedial classes at a community college um, in, uh, at 19, to, uh, well, probably a second grade education, to graduating from the London School of Economics in just over five years. So, uh, yeah, so it's ironic that today I, I consult with some of the, you know, the top CEOs, uh, musicians, artists, uh, business brands in the world on the subject of standing out. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey and an interesting life. <laughs> that is quite something. Most of us want this information and this knowledge so bad. There's many authors in the audience and unfortunately... The statistics aren't kind for authors. It's like writing a book and putting it out in the forest and, you know, letting the Bigfoot hang out with it. It's like it doesn't get much attention. It doesn't get much notoriety. And that's that way with many products. The number one food in the world, fast food, McDonald's, is not necessarily the best, most healthiest food. There's many other types of food items that are healthier and better, yet they've got the market share. It, they, knew how, they know how to stand out. They know how to get out there. This is not anything new. You know, everyone in the audience is going, oh, yeah, I know this. But you decided to tackle it, research it. What brought about that vision that made you want to delve into this? I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And it's a kind of incredible question because, to be honest, I didn't really want to talk about my story in the book, right? So I have this book. It's been out for a little over a year. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. It's called The Iconist, The Art and Science of Standing Out. And when I wrote it, I wanted it to be, I based it, in this book, I cover the primal laws of what causes us to discard one thing and pay attention to another. And it applies to everything. Um, a startup, entrepreneurship, an email you'd send a friend or your boss, um, music, visual art, design, architecture. It's the primal laws of why we pay attention to everything. And I had written this thing. I went to a legitimate social science school. So when I had been, I, and I came up with this idea almost 15 years ago, and I'd been doing it on tons of companies and different artists and been successful iconizing people for a long time before there was a book. And so I wanted it to stand on its own two feet as a social science and, and kind of felt a little weird about bringing my story into it. But I'd had different agents and uh, over the years, and they'd always kind of wanted me to bring to bring my story into it. But it really wasn't until the book was done that I brought my story into the introduction and then into the afterword of the book. But at this point, it's so obvious that I suffered this extreme invisibility. 
And what I try to explain to, to people as a kid that grew up in brown neighborhoods that would have faded into the brick if you drove by me as, as a child is that the, the invisibility that I experienced as a kid, everyone experiences now because of information overload. And here's how I would describe it. If you were walking around in, you know, you're a small town in 1950s America, you're walking around in Orange County and you're going to and from work or to and from the grocery store, depending on what you do. And uh, you were probably subject to about 250 advertising messages a day. By 1970, we were subject, we were all subject to about 500 mass advertising messages a day. I think I get all of them in my inbox every day. Exactly. Well, that's the interesting part. By the time, by the late 90s, we were subject, the last time this was seriously studied, we were subject to about five to 7,000 advertising messages a day. Recent thoughts experiments say that most of us are hit by about 10 to 15,000 advertising messages a day post social media. So the human mind couldn't, our brain couldn't process a thousand. So what people need to realize, because everyone's going to feel what I just say, but maybe they haven't heard it before, is as all of this information overload has grown, you've become smaller. You as an individual now compete with all this information and you can feel it. We all feel an anxiety about it. Everything is like this now. Supermarket, the same way. You know, uh, uh, 1950, there was probably eight to 9,000 items at a supermarket. Today, there's roughly 50,000 items at a supermarket. When there's so much content, you're processing everything differently. There was a woman in the late 90s named Linda Stone who was doing research for Microsoft and Apple. And she coined the term continuous partial attention in 1998 to talk about how we were all being bombarded with so much attention that um, we were only partially paying attention. What may, now, talking about information overload is not new. What makes me different, what makes my message different, is I'm not so concerned about how we're all being affected by this overload. Of course, I'm somewhat concerned about it. I write about it. But what concerns me the most is what it's doing to the person who has something valuable to offer the world, and, they're in, and the fact that they can't get anyone to look at them or engage at them because there's just too many things coming at them. What does that do psychically to a person that's trying to communicate something that, you know, that you, they, the entrepreneur that says to themselves, the artist that says to themselves, if someone would just give me 10 minutes, they would know how good I am. But they can't even get that 10 minutes. That's what information and mass messaging overload uh, creates. And that's what the primal laws of human perception that I talk about in my book resolve. That is quite a problem in the situation today, especially with the social medias you talk about. I can't wait to get into the actual use and the information. But just one more thing I want to know. Why do you do this? What's your purpose behind this? I mean, I think, you know, when you go through a lot of trauma and you go through a lot of, you know, people look at me and they don't ever see my past. They see my present, right? And uh, I get to do a lot of dope stuff, <laughs> right? Like a lot of fun stuff. Uh, but, you know, my, my, my journey is ever present in my mind. My, my, uh, the scars and the failures and everything that I've been through to achieve what I've achieved. So I very much have the only reason I think maybe possibly one could justify for themselves as to why they would go through something like that if you make it through it, because most people do not make it through it, right? Um, and I'm ever aware of that in terms of my family, in terms of family members, in terms of friends that started out where I started. The only possible reason you could go through that in terms of my own ex 
existential way of explaining it to myself so that I can enjoy my life is to give me deeper empathy and to care about the fact that others are going through this. People that haven't been through what I've gone through are all suffering from invisibility. And there's actual mental manifestations that come with it. There was a guy named Barry, uh, no, there's a guy that has an incredible TED talk named Barry Schwartz. He's a professor at Skidmore University. He's a psychologist and he teaches uh, social theory at Skidmore. And he talks about this concept of choice overload, how we're all being given so much choice that we, have, we now have mental manifestations that come from too much choices. And he talks about when there's too many choices, we feel paralyzed. When uh, we have too many, we, we won't choose anything. When we have too many choices, we have anxiety. What if I choose the wrong one? And we choose something and we're dissatisfied with what we chose because we think we, maybe we, maybe we should have thought the other, we would have, we should have chosen the other one. Or, and then we can ultimately depressed about, become depressed about choice. And what I found with feeling drowned out by the content in terms of trying to get visible, and I do this for successful companies, everything from startups, people just starting out, to billion dollar companies where the CEO says to me, well, I know we're successful, I know we're profitable, but I know people aren't seeing us, seeing us and I know we, we could be so much more successful if people saw us for who we were. This is the Tony D'Urso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the check continues about becoming iconic with Jamie Mustard. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Check this out, everyone. Vidyard, V-I-D-Y-A-R-D. It's an easy-to-use yet powerful video solution that makes it simple to create videos, host them ad-free, share them with others, and track their performance. Whether you're recording a video for one person or sharing it with the world on your website, it's easy to manage your video content. Our solution is built for business with robust analytics, integrations with top enterprise tools, and customization options that answer businesses' unique needs. Hey, email isn't dead, but it sure is boring. Use Vidyard to record and send videos to connect with prospects, convert opportunities, and close deals. Put a face to your name with video. Record your face, your screen, or both for prospecting videos, follow-ups, product demos, and more. Upload or create videos and embed them into email campaigns, landing pages, and blog posts to generate and engage more sales-ready leads. And you know, when I get a video in my email, I watch it. It's absolutely amazing. There might be a hundred emails there, but I will watch the ones that have a video. That's how this works. This is really important. And you know, you can use interactive video elements and video personalization to boost viewer engagement, accelerate the buyer journey, and convert viewers into pipeline. Record your screen, webcam, or both. From product demos to customer testimonials to live stream Q&As, anyone can create their own videos in just a few clicks. And you can use video analytics to measure how each video impacts revenue and how they perform across your website, email marketing, prospecting campaigns, and more, all from one central dashboard. And this goes really in line with today's interview on becoming an icon and getting noticed amongst all the clutter out there. This is really important. I've said this a few times and I'm saying it again. Start doing more videos. Check out Vidyard, guys. 
Now you can sign up for Vidyard free today by going to vidyard.com slash Tony. And just like you guys, the team at Vidyard can't keep up with all these promo codes on podcasts. So they're making signing up as easy as possible. So no promo code needed. Just go to vidyard.com slash Tony to start using Vidyard completely free. And as a bonus, get their 2021 B2B Video Trends Guides. I'm going to spell that again. V-I-D-Y-A-R-D dot com slash T-O-N-Y. All right, guys, check it out and tell me how you like it. Vidyard.com slash Tony. You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Erso.com. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Erso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Becoming Iconic with Jamie Mustard. At the end of this interview, I'll give you a summary of what I got out of this, and I'll share some pointers with you. Stay tuned for that. Jamie's work has appeared in Thrive Global, Branding Strategy Insider, Psychology Today, and Flaunt Magazine. He has spoken, educated, and inspired prolifically with his work, including Ted at the Creative Giant, Whedon, and Kennedy. All right, and now back to the chat with Jamie. What I found in doing this for the last decade and a half is that people that feel like they have something to offer the world that can't get that traction that they want, no matter what they do, and everyone at all levels of success is experiencing this invisibility because of... Um, content overload, mass messaging overload, is that the same mental manifestations exist for them. Well, if I can't get traction, why even try? They have anxiety about whether people are going to be able to look at them or not. They feel dissatisfied with their lives because they know they're not getting the traction that they deserve, they deserve, they deserve and they've earned. And ultimately, they can be depressed about their work and their offering because they're not getting the traction. There's just too much content. I have deep empathy for that. I'm also an artist and I'm creating all sorts of art projects. It's another thing that I do. But um, I deeply feel for what it does to someone uh, when they feel like no one sees them. I know what that feels like. And I don't care what your class is, your color is, where you come from. I don't want anyone to experience that. We're talking about Becoming Iconic with Jamie Mustard. And you can find him at theiconist.org. And I'll spell that T-H-E. I-C-O-N-I-S-T dot org. Jamie, let's get into your vision path. We just talked a little bit about the problem. And is there anything more about this, the problem that we want to fill in before we go into what the primal laws are on this? Well, I'd say uh, a couple things. One is you have to understand that, you know, I started this conversation talking about 1950. 250 advertising messages a day, and now we're at 15,000. You couldn't process a 1,000. So one analogy I give in the book, and I'll give when I do talks, is I'll say, Tony, say I throw a golf ball at you. What would you do? If it wasn't too fast, I would catch it. Okay, great. Now say I threw 10 to 15,000 golf balls at you. What would you do? If I had a bat, <laughs> I'd have a little fun. <laughs> You'd probably cower and turn and away and, and turn away in the fetal position. So the people that you're trying to message to are actually pushing you away at the same time. The micro-communication that we all rely on, we all become numb to. And, it, and the thing that I really want people to understand is it's a light switch of time. 
right? This really started in the late 90s when the internet started to get going. And the internet really wasn't really in full swing until the early 2000s. So it's only in 20, 25 years, that it's like the boiled frog, that this has come across as like a light switch. And most people have no idea what to do, what it means for them. And we're all floundering. You know, the quote marketing industry, I won't even use that word on the phone with clients and CEOs because they associate it with a cost center and losing money. It's that hard to get traction. So the first thing you have to understand before we get into the solution is this. Anything busy and that you can't understand in your lizard brain before you have a chance to think, anything busy in a world overloaded with content gets instantly discarded. So if someone can't understand you, the second they land on you, everything, if they don't have an emotional reason to go deeper, before they have a chance to think, you've lost them and you've likely lost them forever. That is like, I'm just soaking this all up. This is quite something. All right, so there's our problem. We are bombarded. You know, Jamie, I never looked at all of the emails and the advertisement as a golf ball coming at me. But when you think about it, it's something coming to you. It's not sitting there for you to look at if you choose. It's hitting your space, especially on the freeway. These billboards, especially the ones with the digital and the lights and the things moving, it's slowing down drivers. It's creating issues because people have this golf ball coming at them and they've got to stop and, and take it. Well, what we do is we make ourselves numb to it. And the people that are trying to communicate, can getting even the successful ones, aren't getting the engagement they know they deserve because they, they can feel that people are pushing them away. It's a very strange thing because we rely on text messages and emails, so we take them in. But we're also kind of trying to shove them away from us at the same time. I have a lot of stories and a lot of research in the book where, uh, to back this up. It's not just I give example after example. And, you know, I could give you a really obvious example from the book is online job boards. How many people think that you get can get a job on these big online job boards like Monster or Career? I'm thinking, trying to think of the other one. Is it Monster.com, Career Build? I mean, anyway, I'm going off. But say Monster or something similar to it. Most people think that 30% of us can get jobs on these boards. The truth is out of a million hires, less than 1% get hired on these big job boards. So again, what I'm concerned with is what is it doing mentally to that 99% that's going through the exercise? Everything is like that now. So what I talk about in my book is this thing that I call the primal laws of blocks. And a block is just some any piece of oversized imagery that you repeat, okay? Uh, let me give a crude, and it, apply, it applies to everything, art, music, business, visual imagery, entrepreneurship. But let me kind of give it like a universal example before it's, it's a very simple concept and I don't want people to have a heady view of it. Okay. But cause it's, it's a phrase that I coined to describe this big monolithic thing that you repeat. And then once I get you, Tony, to take it in your mind, it's no longer a block. It's an icon. So what basically what I'm saying here, I'm going to get in how this works across music, visual art, and then I'll do business at the end. Okay. But, um, is that I can get something to be iconic in your mind in a matter at, of five minutes with deliberation and at will rather than 50 years of hope, luck, or chance. There's a reason we call a Kleenex a Kleenex and a Coke a Coke. Now, the question is, can you take that and create that in any individual or group of people and create that at will rather than just hope? And that's what the primal laws of blocks do and what they promise. So let's start off with a concept that we all understand, like road signs. When it comes to life or death, we always use monolithic, oversized imagery that we can understand 
in a microsecond. By the way, this explains why when you look for a movie and you see in big letters the name of the star that you like, you're more interested in that movie because it's a it's 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 big. It's right in your face. It's it's a great example. That's why they Hollywood makes movie stars. They don't appear. They 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 create these figures that you become familiar with because they know you need these figures to connect with a film. That large and so they create they make this iconic part of the film so that you have a reason to look at the trailer. On that, what makes an icon an icon? We, I got the big block letters. I got the, I got the golf ball. I got that it's penetrating. But why is the icon the icon? It's a great, it's a great question, and, and it applies to everything. And I'll launch in. I'm going to give an example of uh, a visual design. Then I'll talk about music. Then I'll talk about public speaking and emails. And then I'll end off with an entrepreneurial and a business example that was applied in a time over a hundred years ago that one might argue was even more debilitating than now. Okay. Um, but the question is, is there something about a warning label that keeps us from drinking poison or, or a road sign that keeps us from crashing into each other that we can apply to everything, anything or everything that we do, a song that we're writing, a piece of art that we're making, uh, advertising that we're designing so that we can magnetize attention and get people to look deeper. And the answer is yes. And I call this a block because I take it from what happens when you put a toy block in front of a baby. Uh, a toy block is massive to a baby and they'll fixate on it. Anything that's massive that has an intricacy inside it, we will fix on. Any big monolithic shape that we can understand before we have a chance to think, we will fixate on for a microsecond. That's why road signs are designed that way. There's, there's brain science that shows the parts of our brain lights up when we're looking at something, when we're looking at visual imagery is several times larger and when we're looking at complexity. So let's talk about it in relation to art. I, I, I want to like ease into it so by the time we get to the biz, business, the entrepreneurs and the business people listening really understand the concept. So in um, art, if you were to go around the world, and I went to school in England and I've traveled all over the world, um, if you were to look at two artists that we, people kind of understand in the collective, more in our collective, even if they know nothing about art, more than two artists, any other two artists in the world, you probably have to say, uh, Vincent Van Gogh and Andy Warhol, okay? People may not recognize Picasso, but if you go up to a working class person in East London in Hackney or something, uh, they'll recognize Van Gogh and uh, a Warhol. And so the answer is why? The answer is that uh, because um, in their, all of their major works, you understand the image before you have a chance to think. With Van Gogh, it's kind of a man with a cob pipe, a bedroom, a starry night, a cafe, a pair of boots, um, some sunflowers, a tree. It's always a monolithic image that takes up the, the entire can canvas that you can understand before you have a chance to think. Andy Warhol, same thing. You have a soup can, a cow, a Marilyn, a Mao. Um, you understand the image before you have a chance to think. If you lead with something like that, then people instantly fixate like they do on a road sign. And if there's something of value there, uh, they will look further. Um, a good comparison of this, if you look at Paul Gauguin, who was Warhol's one-time roommate, um, he I, had say, bold colors. I actually like Gauguin's work more, but his work is busier. It takes you a second to figure out what's going on in the scene, okay? And, in, and that's the reason we don't take on Gauguin in the same way in, in, as a collective, all right? So... Um, and then this applies to music. Okay. So in music, that monolithic thing, that block, that 
which just means a big monolithic thing that you can understand before you have a chance to think. And then once you repeat it enough and I've convinced and Tony associates it with something that he can't get out of his head, it's no longer a block. It's an icon of Tony's mind. This is the Tony D'Urso show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues about becoming iconic with Jamie Mustard. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. As you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now, and that can lead to depression, anxiety, or just scary thoughts that can't be turned off sometimes. I've never been more grateful to have a therapist who helps me navigate all those different feelings that come up. And it's amazing how much better things can feel when you have an unbiased, licensed professional there to listen. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. Look at it this way. There are times you need someone to talk to. We all need someone to talk to. This is how the world works. You need someone that you can tell anything to. That's why Talkspace is so good and so effective. And Talkspace is secure and private using the latest end-to-bank grade encryption technology to store client information and complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code TONY, T-O-N-Y, to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's T-O-N-Y and Talkspace.com. I'm going to spell that T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com. Now, guys, there's a lot of turmoil going on sometimes. There's a lot of this and that. I'm not even going to point fingers. I'm not going to condone. I'm not going to condemn. We want to all get by and you need help to do it. You need somebody that you can say anything to, that you can speak in an unbiased way, that you can just really let your hair down and help work through whatever you need to work through. Talkspace has licensed expert therapists that help so many people. Give it a try. Check it out and tell me how much you like it. Talkspace.com with code Tony. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Becoming Iconic with Jamie Mustard. At the end of this interview, I'll give you a summary of what I got out of this, and I'll share some pointers with you. Stay tuned for that. Jamie is a 2019 OWL Award winner for Outstanding Works of Literature. He says, quote, Getting others to focus on your offering is the most important thing in a world overloaded with content, end quote. And now back to the chat with Jamie. But in music, um, a block is a nursery rhyme type melody um, repeated over a more complex arrangement. So it's the reason when you hear 
Um, you know, Mama Say, Mama Simon Makusa, Mama Say, Mama Simon Makusa by Michael Jackson, that repetitive nursery rhyme type melody is what gets you to pay attention to the greater arrangement of the song. 300 years earlier, when Beethoven used he just repeats that nursery rhyme type melody, it brings you into the more complex arrangement. It's why in pop music, we call it the hook, because it grabs you by the throat and it pulls you in and it doesn't give you a choice. This concept of the primal law of this monolithic thing that you repeat will suck anybody into anything if you understand how it works in your respective medium. This is fascinating stuff. So you could take this and put that common theme that you, you're you familiar with in the music and get people sucked in. Yeah, yeah. and once it's no longer just a song that I made and you know that hook in your head and you're humming it as you walk to the bus station, then it's no longer a block. A block, it's now an icon of your mind. We only need 1,000 to 5,000 people in our, you know, to tribe to have a successful business. We don't need a lot, right? So, you, or you can... You can icon these things to millions of people. It works with five people. It works with uh, 500 million people. Um, but I'd, li- I'd love to um, talk about how it, wor- I mean, how it works with a concept. Because when we're talking about entrepreneurship, we're talking about business, we're talking about communicating ideas, offering concepts. So before I get into a business example, I'd like to explain how it would work in kind of public speaking. Because this idea of blocks, it does, it, it, ex- it explains why we, these monolithic things, when you repeat them, they carry with them, it's the pack mules that carry all the complex information that we need to make the world go around. Okay? So can I, there's a chapter in the book called The Dreamer and the Fighter, where I compare, uh, where I talk about uh, Martin Luther King. Okay? And his, what I think, well, where in, 19, in, in August 1963, he gave what is now uh, considered the greatest speech, I think, in human history. I mean, one thing that shocked me when I was in school in England was that, you know, you talk to people from China, Malaysia, Sweden, they all know the I have a dream speech, okay? And that's because he used blocks, okay? So you have a speech of a relatively short 1,600 words where he repeats, where Dr. King repeats the words, I have a dream or let freedom ring approximately every 88 words, Okay, and that's what and that's what brings you when you hear the word I have a dream. It doesn't just you don't just recognize it as an icon. It brings back the whole sentiment of the speech with you. So blocks blocks bring with them emotion and they bring complicated information. You can be driving down the the the, the five freeway in Orange County. You can see the golden arches. When you see those golden arches, you don't just recognize it as McDonald's. It brings the menu with it. Leo fish. I got a Big Mac. I got a quarter pounder. I got a large fries. So these these they 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 they've done studies that show that when you connect complex information with large visual imagery, when you teach students that way, um, retention gets higher. Appreciation of studying is greater. Um, so the the problem is this: that when you look at how we teach kids in elementary school, it's all with this big monolithic imagery like Sesame Street, like the count. One, two, three. But as we get above elementary learning, we stop communicating to each other in elementary ways. And what I'm arguing you is that adults crave this elementary style communication even more than children do. And in a world overloaded with content, repetitive block communication is an oasis in a desert. And they're, and they're thirsty. They're dying for it. So I gave this example of Martin Luther King. You know, Mandela gave a lot of speeches in Freedom Nation. 
We don't know those features because he didn't use blocks. And we're all worse off for it. They explain why we remember everything. A short emotional phrase is not so different than a nursery rhyme type melody over a more complex speech. 23 years late, earlier, June 4th, 1940, um, Winston Churchill used a block for a very different purpose. He went before the House of Commons to galvanize political support and the support of the British people to stay the course uh, of the war. They, they did not have the stomach for it. They were getting hammered and um, they were losing hearts and minds to stay the course in the war. Uh, and he gave this famous speech where he went before the House of Commons and he repeated the phrase. Uh, and this speech was later uh, aired on the BBC uh, later that evening. It was his closer where he, he repeated the phrase, we shall fight. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the beaches. We shall fight in the streets. We shall never surrender. And he repeated the words, we shall fight. We shall fight. We shall fight. It's now known as the we shall fight speech. It wasn't known as the we shall fight speech when he gave it. So when you use a block and if it's emotional towards the people that you're communicating to, it doesn't, it, it, it can do more than just get people to buy your product or get people to engage with you deeper. It can motivate people to do remarkable things. It's a driver. I was trying to grab the speech. I thought I had it placematted in my book so I could read. I have the excerpt. If you find it, that's fine. But yeah, we're getting it as quite something on the, the dreamer and the fighter. Totally get how something, and as I recall on the Martin Luther, I, I, I've interviewed Steve Barry, who wrote a book about Martin Luther. And at the time, that wasn't planned in his speech. He kind of had some time and he... He, he had a pause and he just made that up on the go. The, I have a dream. He just made that right up. It's absolutely quite something. Yeah. So those are, th- you know, those speeches are only 23 years apart. One was from a pacifist. The other one was from, was a call of war, but the outcome is the same. A short emotional phrase repeated, repeated, repeated is what draws people into the content of what you have to say, no matter what it is. Let's carry this forward a little bit more and go into the world of business. Our entrepreneurs and small business owners are sitting at the edge of their chair going, how can I apply this? They're startups. They have a product. They want to go up a, a, another level or you know, notch up a little bit. And the, the wheels are going. How can we use this? So please, we're, okay. we'd love it. Okay. All right. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to spin a yarn here. But it's a true story. Okay. It's a true story that happened about 100 years ago in 1932. And I like telling this story because, you know, we're going through a difficult time and it's easy to give up. It's easy to say, I can't do this. It's easy to, you know, find reasons to not push through, right? So if you go back to 1932, which is deep into the heart of the Great Depression, one could argue that it was a far worse time. If you look at the loss of human life from poverty, from the crashed economy, I think at the end of the day, that death toll will be far greater than, than what we're experiencing now. So this was a very, very tough time, not just in terms of the ability to uh, sustain yourself with food and shelter, but in the ability to live for many people, okay? And there was a guy named Ted Houston. And uh, this guy had three really simple goals in life, Tony, okay? Uh, he wanted to uh, raise a family, He wanted to run his own business, run a pharmacy. He graduated from pharmacy school. 
and he wanted to attend Catholic mass and raise a family, run his pharmacy, attend Catholic mass. And he, and he thoroughly believed that if he could do these things, it's all he wanted from life. And he had a very substantial leg up during this incredibly difficult time. He got a $3,000 inheritance, which would have been, what would that have been then? It was a small fortune. He took every dime of that money, $3,000, and he moved to a small town called Wall, South Dakota. And he bought himself a pharmacy and he opened it up and he got married and he started a family. Well, Wall, South Dakota, it didn't real, it didn't take him long living in Wall with his new pharmacy for him to realize in the middle of the depression that the town was busted broke uh, with its population of 327 people and absolutely no one was coming into his pharmacy. And he saw his dream slipping away. He saw his life slipping away. He had one thing going for him as he had no income coming in. And that was in this town of Wall, South Dakota, there was a, an interstate, Route 16A, that drove right by the town. No one came into the town, but it drove right by the town. And one day, uh, Ted's wife, Dorothy, said to, to Ted, what is it those people driving by in their weathered jalopies need more than anything? And this is before air conditioning was what it is today. And she said, I know, free ice water, or just ice water, cold water, okay? So she got, they got this idea, and they built this massive billboard, Big, massive letters, free ice water, wall drug. And they hauled it out to the interstate and they erected it with all these cars going by in routine six and route 16A before they could even get back to the pharmacy. It was mobbed and it has stayed mobbed for almost a hundred years. Is the sign still up? It is still up. And one could say that wall drug was the first viral campaign in the world but definitely in the United States. And it became an international phenomenon when people during World War II, when people uh, at various allied forces, outposts would put up signs saying what their distance to wall drug was. People would go in the 40s and 50s, they would go to the Great Wall of China and the Taj Mahal, and they would take a picture with a wall drug sign. It was a viral campaign. And today, wall drug is a collection. It's an incredibly sex successful. It's grown. It's it's an amusement park, it's restaurants, it's gift shops, it's, 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 a, it's a landmark, it's a state landmark of South Dakota. Everyone that, go, that, that drives by Wall stops there and has an experience there. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the check continues about becoming iconic with Jamie Mustard. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Entrepreneurs around the world know that agility and flexibility are integral to building businesses that scale, and that's across all your core functions. I recently came across a company that thinks about payments through a radical new lens, Checkout.com. I like that to help you unlock more revenue with their connected payment services. There's connected and then there's super connected technology, and that's what Checkout uses They have world-class fraud filters. And you know, they make payments seamless, and that's a great thing. Did you know that merchants lose over $20 billion due to false declines? 
Ouch! Wouldn't you love to capture more of that? And before I go on, did you know that 65% of merchants surveyed do not receive detailed raw response codes on failed payments? That's a huge percentage. I've been reading their free report and I am astounded at all the money lost in the survey of 5,071 consumers across four countries. 52.1% were put off permanently from shopping on the site because of the complexity of the payment process. Can you believe that? Could this be why you're not getting as many sales as you think you should? Are you leaving money on the table? Just having an online checkout and taking credit card payments is actually the beginning of the story. Checkout.com is a leading cloud-based global payment solutions provider. Checkout's payment platform is purpose-built with simplicity, scalability, and speed in mind. Ideal for merchants looking to seamlessly integrate better payment solutions globally. Checkout.com offers improved acceptance globally, better and more actionable, granular data, a flexible product structure that merchants can adapt to their needs combined with truly personal white glove service. It's why brands across the globe like Pizza Hut, TransferWise, Klarna, Revolut, and Samsung trust Checkout.com. Checkout.com is the dominant choice for organizations that are looking for the fastest, most innovative, and reliable global payment solution provider. See if Checkout works for your business and set up a free test account in minutes at Checkout.com slash D-U-R-S-O. That's Checkout.com slash D-U-R-S-O for a free test account. Checkout.com slash D-U-R-S-O. And I'm going to spell that C-H-E-C-K-O-U-T dot com slash D-U-R-S-O. All right, guys, check it out and tell me how you like it. Checkout.com slash D-U-R-S-O. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Becoming Iconic with Jamie Mustard. At the end of this interview, I'll give you a summary of what I got out of this, and I'll share some pointers with you. Stay tuned for that. Rich Colgard, publisher of Forbes, says, quote, Jamie Mustard cracked the code, end quote. And there's nothing else to say after that. And now back to the chat with Jamie. So, so what I want to say to people on the business side and why I wanted to walk you through these different mediums is that there's always an intersect point between the best of what you are and what your, that your desire, the audience who you're trying to communicate to care, cares about most. Okay. And if you might do 50, what most people do is they do 50 things. They want to communicate all 50 at once. Don't communicate one. Take that one thing that you do better than anyone that corresponds. There's always an intersect point of where that corresponds to the highest emotional concern of the person you're trying to reach. Find that intersect point, blow it up uncomfortably large, two thirds of your website, and people will engage in the more complex content of your website 
uh, in ways that you can't imagine. It'll, it'll, and, and I can give you other examples in business over the years where people have done this to astounding and remarkable success. I'm processing all of this. And the one thing that I, I can say is that when I need something from someone, and it's very, very important, I found that if I say I need this and this and this, it's something doesn't get done. Something doesn't happen. But when I just say one thing and focus only on one thing, my chances of getting that one thing are so high because that's all the person could focus on. This is exactly why. And this is the, you know, this, listen, I didn't invent this. These are primal laws of human perception. This is how human beings prefer to take in everything. And again, there's, you know, they, they've done these studies that they've done that, that show that we learn when we connect everything in a singular or monolithic way. This is for adult education. This is for complex ideas, right? So, you know, one of the things that I'm saying here, if you think about it, is uh, if you take George Orwell's book, his dystopian nightmare, 1984, right, where he ta- where they use this kind of repetitive, uh, monolithic communication, and if they just, no matter how said large, repeated, in 1975, that was a gut punch, and that's the difference between a block and a slogan. Slogans are desperate attempts to create blocks. They're things that we make up. Because we want to have something simple, and then we come up with something really non-credible that ends up repulsing people. Jamie, we have time for about one more question. This is so great. I highly recommend everyone get the Iconist. Go to theiconist.org. This is great. And by the way, I don't think I've ever read anything that had more great testimonials from great business people and well-known business people. Just page after page after page of praise and great reviews for this book. Highly recommend it. There's so much into this. And so for all you, for all you people in the audience, listen to this again. Jamie gave so much great information, so many nuggets here. Just love it. Just really use this stuff, really think with it, ponder it. But what I want to know and go into is how this builds trust. Because it's not just selling one thing. That store that you were talking about, South Dakota, it's just not only built trust, it it became an icon, but pe- it was the go-to for people over and over and over. So how's, so let's talk about that segue into the mainstay. The- That's one of the best, you know, I talk about that in the book. I have a chapter on transparency. It's one of the best questions someone's ever asked me um, because people don't ask it enough. You know, they don't ask me enough about these um, these statements that that are like magnets or this vi- this visual design that's sort of like magic that are like magic and credibility. And it's a really important part of the book and it's a a huge part of my practice. Okay, so to answer your question, it's this. When you take the time to figure out what that one thing that your audience cares about, there are that one to three things, you can't have more than three. People can take about three concepts at once max and and I recommend one or two. But when you take the time to really figure out what that thing that your potential audience or potential customer cares about the most. And then you look into yourself and you truthfully ask yourself, where does that correspond with my best ability, with what I'm trying to offer the world? Businesses exist to solve problems. So where is that intercept point? When you take the time to figure out what your customer cares about, and then to figure out what you can actually do to solve that problem, and you blow it up uncomfortably large, you create this kind of instant credibility in the lizard brain. 
where you're saying this person instantly likes you, they instantly have an appreciation of you, and they instantly trust you because they somehow, before they have a chance to think, they think, God, not only does this person understand what I'm looking for, they're saying it massive. So this person gets me. This person cares about me. Instant credibility that you have credibility with people and they don't even know why. They just instantly know you're the one. So you, 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 make, you do a Google search. There's 10 websites come up. Um, a lot, mo- ten, nine of them are leading with 50 things. One of them sa- it leads with the one thing you care about most. Where are you going to stop and engage? You're going to stop and you're going to have credibility with the person that took the time to say huge and figure out what you care about. It's about you. I am really, really so into this. This is like we've got the toy blocks of the child. That's, I think, the, the key concept The child. What does that child go to? It's something big and it's something simple and it's something massive. And if we can make something like that, our name, our product, our book title, and so forth, we can draw people in into the other part and them get to know us because it's not just all about the name. And while we're talking, my wheels are going like, I wish I had known some of this so many more years ago. Jamie, <laughs> thank you for showing up on the block. We got to get this out to everyone. Once again, everyone, this we talked about becoming iconic with Jamie Mustard, and you can find him at theiconist.org. Jamie, this is just absolutely incredible. There's just so much more I want to go into. We're just going to have to. Uh, we're just going to have to see about bringing you back on again, especially if there's any updates, because. Our people need this, especially in these days and these times. If you have anything, if you have any closing remark on some of this to 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 put it all together, I, I'd be very open to that. Yeah, I mean, I'd say this, you know, I mean, oversized repetitive imagery. And, um, you know, one of the things that I talk about in the book is I talk about how are we, we all have to deliver complex information for the world to go around, education, doctors, lawyers, surgeons. So there's a chapter in the book called The Arrow and the Shaft that explains how to grab attention and deliver and use blocks to deliver all the complex information we need to make the world go round. And the last thing I'd like to say, I mean, are we wrapping up now, Tony? We're kind of getting to the end here, right? The last thing I'd like to say, I guess the, my closing statement would be, you know, oversized, repetitive content. It's uncomfortable. It's like, it makes us feel like we're walking onto a stage naked when we actually do this. You have to push past that discomfort because it's what locks attention. So I want you what I'll leave your, your, your listeners with is this. And, and, and also anybody that wants to read about, you know, reach out to me. I respond to everyone. You can contact me on my website. I care about people and I care about this. Um, so uh, if you have this feeling like, God, I'd love to reach out to that guy. Send, go on my website, send me an email. Okay. Um, Jamie at the iconist.org. But imagine you're on a super massive, super highway with thousands of lanes. Okay. People are driving down and they're looking for their exit. If you present to them the solution they're looking for, the place they want to go, they will get off on your exit. So it's a brave new world, monolithic, repetitive imagery. It's the only way people will see you in a world overloaded with content, and you will become iconic in their minds if you repeat it enough. Dear audience, Jamie is the business associate that you want to be friends with, you want to get to know, you want to see what he can do to help your business whether you're a startup or you're in six figures making seven, you're at seven figures, you want to get to eight, there's ways to do that. And this is the stuff. This is the stuff. I remember back in... I do this for, I do this for billion-dollar companies, Adidas, Nike, Intel, the, you know, massive companies still have this frustration. Everyone has this frustration. 
Jamie, thank you so much for sharing with us. This is just great. I don't want to let go. Let's keep, let's do another <laughs> show. I, there's so much more to talk about. This is my life. I love talking about this, but it's time to go. So I just want to say once more, thank you so much. Becoming Iconic with Jamie Mustard. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for your thoughtfulness, Tony. Hey, fellow entrepreneurs. Thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. I'm sure this was as inspiring for you as it was for me to do this interview. I am knee-deep in reading the book, and it is amazing. Becoming Iconic with Jamie Mustard. Now, for someone to be basically neglected by parents and growing up in the dirt-poor sections of the Los Angeles area, it's hard to get my head around the fact that, with basically a second-grade education and semi-illiterate in his late teens, he endured learned how to stand out, and graduated from the London School of Economics. And today, he consults some of the top CEOs, musicians, artists, and brands in the world on the subject of standing out. Why do you discard one thing and pay attention to another? What are the primal laws that get us to pay attention to anything at all? For someone who is basically quite invisible in his early days, he mastered the most amazing topic of all topics that I can imagine, the topic of getting noticed above anything and everything else. We indeed have information overload. This is actually what got me to podcast and bring elite entrepreneurs to you. It was the fact that you can't listen to everybody's lectures, take everybody's classes, read everybody's books, watch everybody's videos and webinars and so forth. It's just not possible in one lifetime. Thus, I bring to you a curated set of top entrepreneurs that can and do help you right now in your life and business. That's why this interview is indeed so pivotal. And with this information overload, the information content has exploded. In 1950, you would have been hit with about 250 advertising messages a day. Not bad, huh? Well, in 1970, that was up to about 500 messages a day. By the late 90s, that was up to about five to 7,000 advertising messages a day. And now today, it's in the zillions. It's said that it's about ten to 15,000 advertising messages a day. What do you think? When there is so much content, you're processing things differently. Linda Stone in the late 90s, doing research for Microsoft and Apple, coined the term continuous partial attention. To talk about how we are so bombarded for our attention, that we are only partially paying attention. Hey, are you listening to this? Just joking. And all this that I've just summarized is in the first 10 minutes. There is so much more that Jamie went over, so much more I got out of this interview. What did you get? I'd love to know how you use this information to help you in your business or your career or your life. Did this interview give you any ideas for your business? Did it stimulate you to take some new action? Would you please share and grab hold of your vision Decide you're either going to start something great or take it to the next level. You have to decide first. It always starts with a decision. And you can get my vision map to help you along the process. The ebook is at tonydurso.com slash books. I built my world in just a few years. I call that my empire. I wrote up the vision map as my guide and I'm giving it to you so that you can do it too. Let's help you move on your journey to success. And please consider supporting the show with a nice review. Just go to tonydurso.com slash review. Thanks. And remember, guys, 
Just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 